As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Called us on a Monday, was losing his house on a Friday. My partner and I showed up on a Tuesday, met him at the house, closed on Thursday and saved his house. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Wayne Gerenstein. Hello, Wayne. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. And Wayne is joining us from Chicago, Illinois, where he is the founder of Stateside Private Capital. Basically, he comes up with solutions for his clients' capital needs, whether it's bringing in hard money lenders, private capital investment firms, hedge funds, private equity firms, mortgage banks, or conventional banks. He's been in the industry and been doing this for 25 years, since 1990. So congrats on your 25th anniversary, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And non-real estate related, but pretty darn interesting, is he was a wrestling coach and he was also a former defensive coordinator for a varsity high school football team that played in several state championships. With that being said, Wayne, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, sure. Um, again, I, as you mentioned, Joe, I started out in education, attended Northern Illinois University back in the uh, early 70s to be a school teacher and a coach, followed in my father's footsteps and did that for 12 years. And then in, uh, in 1987, I took a sabbatical and I tried a very unusual venture. And when in your list of questions, when you asked what was my best, best growth experience, 
it was um, going into business for the first time and trying a really challenging business venture. And I attempted to start a professional sports league for college All-American wrestlers and Olympians. Very different from what you see on TV with the WWE. It was legitimate wrestling. And uh, that was a two-year venture that we raised about half a million dollars for, unsecured, very high risk. Uh, the risk was fully disclosed. We worked only with high net worth individuals that could take a gamble because it was a big gamble. We didn't want people to put their life savings into it that couldn't afford to, to gamble that kind of money. And, and over that two-year period, we actually launched the project and set up professional team franchises across the country in about seven cities and areas where that sport is very popular, which is typically the Midwest and Northeast. And uh, unfortunately, we hired a guy to raise the corporate sponsorship money. And back in those days, nobody really knew how to do it except those who had actually been on the inside of a league because um, there was no such thing as a sports marketing discipline at the college level. And uh, the individual that we hired came to us with great credentials. Unfortunately, he was one of those individuals that believed if you had a positive mental attitude, things would just happen, and it's not always that easy. And he misrepresented about uh, $6 million in corporate contracts and thought he could pull it off, but when he didn't, the company just went south. We couldn't survive without that money. And we launched it, uh, but unfortunately, just without the corporate backing, it just didn't work out. So that's how that, that was an amazing experience. It was a growth experience. It was very challenging, super high stress, because that was my baby. It was my business, kind of my passion and my dream. And when it just didn't come to fruition, you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, and that made me much stronger. And it was quite an experience, learned a great deal about business. We hired a marketing firm, um, and the senior VP of that marketing firm had previously owned his own ad agency and brought Ray Kroc and McDonald's to the marketplace their first five years. He was a marketing genius in his 70s. So he, he taught me everything about marketing. I learned a great deal about that. It's helped me in business for years. And when that league, when, when we had to eventually shut it down, I segued into finance in 1990. And that's when I got involved in the subprime mortgage industry when it first began. And I took a liking to foreclosure bankruptcy workouts and did that from 1990 to 98 under other mortgage licensees and really learned the business well and really enjoyed it because I used to save people's homes with these workout mortgages. They were phenomenal. And to walk into somebody's home and sit at their kitchen table and show them a way to save the house that sheltered their children was as rewarding as my teaching career. It was really an amazing business. And in 1998, I went off and got licensed, bonded, insured, opened up my own mortgage company called Chicago Finance from 98 to 2002 and continued saving homes. And unfortunately, in 2002, and I was growing a really nice business, I had a corporate office downtown and then I had four branch offices throughout the Chicago metro area. Company was really growing nicely. And then in 2002, the state legislators in Illinois decided that the rates and fees were too high with these loans. And they told my, I had about six mortgage banks I worked with that I used to do my workouts with. They were getting their money from Wall Street conduits uh, through subprime mortgage backed securities. 
and they were really good banks. I could close a loan in four to five days. It was amazing how fast they were. And it, it took time to get to that point because you had to get to know the underwriters. They had to trust you that you were doing the right thing. And then you could really move quickly and save a home that was five days away from foreclosure. But when the state of Illinois said to my banks, you either need to drop your rates and fees or get out of Dodge, they left because most states did not restrict their fees and it was high risk lending. So all of a sudden overnight, I didn't have any mortgage product to work with. So I had to shut that company down and re-engineer it. And I found a, a gentleman who had a couple million dollars and I showed him a way with my attorney how we could save people people's homes through very creative sale leasebacks. And he liked the idea, it took him a few months to kind of do his due diligence. And once he liked the concept, we started saving homes with his money. And we did that for three years, four years till about 2006. And uh, he really enjoyed it because he was making about a 25% return on his money and he had a good heart and he liked helping people. So again, we would go into homes, sit at kitchen tables, show families how we could save their homes and do so. And, and we could close loans in a matter of uh, three, four days with his capital. It was really fast. Um, and I know one of the questions you had for me, Joe, which, which is the best deal I've ever done. I've done some larger deals that were fun just because they were good commissions and larger transactions in the five to six million range. But I'd say the best deals I ever did were a couple of those smaller ones where you would sit with a family, show them how to save their home, and then close the deal. And they were so appreciative because you just basically saved the shelter of their children. And this partner of mine had such a good heart. When he would tell stories about some of these deals we did, he would tear up because he, he knew he had done such a great job of helping somebody's family. So, so those were the deals I really enjoyed doing the best. Uh, but unfortunately, in 2006, uh, the state of Illinois and many other states started saying you can't do, you can't work with distressed homeowners, and homeowners anymore, because there were individuals out there that were called loan-to-own sharks, and they would do loans like this for homeowners. And instead of helping them save their home or their equity, they would basically either strip the equity or steal the home. And our attorney told my partner and I, she said she was a phenomenal attorney the way she would structure the deal. She was a former bankruptcy attorney. She said, if you two guys ever steal somebody's home, I'm going to take you to court. So we we always did the right thing and always help people either save their home or their equity. Um, there were some cases where uh, usually within a year we could refinance my partner out of the deal and give the client a new loan to uh, kind of rebuild their credit and everything over time. Um, but there were a couple cases when we would go into a deal and it was obvious that we couldn't save the home because maybe the client didn't have a job or there was some reason why we just couldn't refinance them. So in that case, we would go into the deal and tell the client, look, you have $100,000 of equity in your home. We're not going to be able to refinance you. But rather than lose your 100000 of equity, instead, you should just go ahead and take our loan, put your house in the market sell your house, capture your equity, and then in a year or two, you can go back and buy a new house because you have all that equity after you rebuild your credit. So our, our mission statement was to either save the home or save the equity. And we did a really good job over that period of time. But because of the bad apples, the state eventually said, you can't work with distressed homeowners anymore. So 
that whole product uh, went away, and that whole we had to re- we had to basically stop the business because the state wouldn't let us do it anymore. And so, since that time, I re-engineered my business again. I work with um, larger hard money lenders that do million dollar plus loans, and then some smaller hard money lenders. And then lately, I've been working with these new business loan products that are kind of unique. So. Through the years, I've had to re-engineer and readjust in finance, but I guess that's kind of the way business is in general. You have to kind of change as the market changes and work with it and, and readjust. You said so many interesting things there, and I have so many follow-up questions. I'll start with, first, the comment that you mentioned, and I, I really like this comment. When you're talking about the professional wrestling league, and you said it takes more than just a positive attitude to make things happen, and that is so true. You know, sometimes we hear all about this positive thinking, and I am definitely, definitely a glasses half full kind of guy, but it requires a whole lot of, of action. And one thing I found really interesting I heard recently is that people who are optimistic, it's great, and I'm an optimistic person, so that's great, but sometimes we're so optimistic that we think things are going to change and therefore we don't take the necessary steps to actually influence or make that change happen. And I think that's an important distinction for anybody who considers themselves an optimist to kind of think through that. So when you were talking about the marketing aspects, you said you learned a lot about marketing. What are some things that you learned by learning from the best of the best in the business? Well, And Joe, let me just uh, elaborate for a second on the point you just made about positive mental attitude. I am a glass half full kind of guy too. And I think if you're going to be in business, you won't survive unless you have that attitude. But you still have to deal with the realities of things that you have to accomplish to be successful. I have three sons, two adult sons and a, a teenage son. And I tell my sons this all the time. You have one of two choices. You can either be optimistic or pessimistic. And I said, when you think about it, you really, in my opinion, you have one choice. The alternative is not a good one. You either maintain a positive attitude and feel that you're going to be successful, or I don't think you will. So I really don't think you have a choice when it comes to optimism. However, you still have to deal with reality. You Things aren't just going to fall into your lap because you have a positive attitude. You have to take steps to be successful. There's no doubts. And then uh, back to the point of marketing. This is kind of an interesting story. I'm 63 years old. When I was a freshman in high school, my father, being a school teacher, said, son, uh, you need to to take a typing class as a freshman. And I said, dad, I want to be a teacher and a coach like you. I don't want to be a secretary. Why would I need that class? He said, because you're going to go to college. So shut up and take the class. And he kind of was joking. He always told me and encouraged me to ask questions. But he said, you really need to take this class. So I took that class as a freshman. My sophomore year, he said, son, I want you to take a uh, computer class. And this is in 1967 before there were laptops and desktops and everything else. And I said, what's that, Dad? He said, it's the wave of the future. Shut up and take the class. So I took this class in the business department of my high school. And all it was was these gigantic data entry machines with number two pencil chads and all that other stuff. And you would enter data and that's it. And I never really understood what I was doing. So this is back in the days when dad would come home from work and mom would have the meal on the table and we'd all sit as a family and talk. I had three sisters. We'd go through our day every night. And every night my dad would say, son, how's that computer class coming along? And I'd shake my head and say, dad, I don't get why I'm taking it. It doesn't make sense to me. He said, trust me, someday it will. 
And sure enough, when I became a teacher in the 70s and 80s, Apple came into the school system and uh, started marketing the Apple IIe computers. And I took one look at that product and said, now I get it. And then I started putting all my exams in the computer. And when I did my business plan for my professional sports league, um, I, it was about a 200-page business plan marketing study document that I put together on this computer. And if I didn't have that computer, I could have never pulled it off. So through the years, you know, I've never been a high-tech guy. I don't know how to program, but I've kept up with computers and the Internet and everything else. I've learned how to do my own website. I do it on a template platform, of course. I don't, I don't, I don't actually program it. But I've learned how to stay current with technology to the point where I'm a little bit dangerous. So, for example, to answer your question about marketing, Joe, probably my most effective method of marketing is through the years, all the, every time I send an email, I save automatically, they, it saves the email address. And over the course of the years, I've developed uh, probably a database of over 5,000 email addresses of people that I've communicated with through emails, phone calls, and that type of thing. It's my most effective form of marketing. I use Constant Contacts as my platform, and every week I send out an email to my network of attorneys, CPAs, realtors, professional investors, and that type of thing. And that's my most effective form of marketing, is staying in touch on a weekly basis, letting them know what my product line is, giving them some details about a new product that might be coming to market, and it's it's my best marketing tool. And, you know, it just kind of, one day when I was sitting there sending it off an email, all of a sudden I looked at this database of contacts I had. I didn't realize it was accumulating. And it was about a thousand when I finally realized what was happening. And then I looked at this database and I said, oh my God, this is an amazing marketing platform. So that's been my best source of marketing. And then of course, I think you always have to maintain the old school approach of talking to people on the phone, shaking hands, meeting them face to face. You know, with today's technology, everything is becoming so much texting and all this Internet, FaceTime and chatting back and forth on the phone and Skype and everything else. They're beautiful platforms. But I I just think you can't lose touch with the old school methods of meeting people, shaking hands, spending time and that kind of thing. Do the individuals who receive your email on a weekly basis who have just sent you an email get upset that you've included them in a database without them opting in? No, because I've usually exchanged emails with them or phone calls so they know who I am. And of course, a very, very small percentage from time to time will opt out, which they always have the option to do. But no, usually it's it's usually not a complaint. It's just, okay. I can't really use your product, so I'm going to opt out. But no, I, I haven't had many. Uh, it's been a really small percentage, less than 1% that have opted out because most of them know me. They've had experiences with me through emails and phone calls. So they're like, okay, keep me on the list. I want to see what you're up to and what's going on. Let's talk about your business now. How do you structure your fees? How are you paid? In some cases, Like, for example, there's this new wave of business loan product in the marketplace, um, like the on-deck capitals of the world. I think that company just went public. And so there's a a, a lot of new lenders that are performing business loans that are oftentimes unsecured. 
And in those cases, I've established an agreement with these businesses where they'll pay me as an independent sales organization. So I'm compensated by the lender. And that's my my preferred method of getting compensated. But in other cases where I do hard money real estate loans, if I have one lender that I work with that will compensate me from their compensation, but the majority of the times I, I have to charge a broker fee and it's pre-negotiated with the client. And once we agree with a fee, we do a marketing agreement and then the lender will pay me out of the closing proceeds. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, ready to go. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F lend.com forward slash best ever. Are you looking for a step-by-step guide to starting your flipping career and successfully tackling your first flip project? If so, head to Amazon.com and pick up the best-selling book, The Book on Flipping Houses by professional house flipper Jay Scott. That's The Book on Flipping Houses by Jay Scott. He's a fellow best-ever guest, and he's an active best-ever listener. Check out his book, The Book on Flipping Houses. Okay, Wayne, best-ever book you've read? It's called Inside Job, The Looting of America's Savings and Loans. It was written in 1989, and it was all about mostly in the Texas area when a lot of the banks were building these huge office buildings and because there was collateral, they thought they were safe, but they overbuilt, there were not enough tenants and the whole house of cards caved in. And it taught me a great deal about real estate finance. And ever since I read that book, I've applied that principle in all my loans that I do. Best ever success habit you practice. I get up early every morning during the week and that's my quiet time when I can get organized, be creative, and get my day set. What time do you wake up? About 5.30. When do you go to bed? About 10, 30, 11. Best ever deal you've done? State trooper in Illinois. Called us on a Monday, was losing his house on a Friday. My partner and I, this is when we used to do these creative sale leasebacks, showed up on a Tuesday, met him at the house, closed on Thursday and saved his house. Just high level, very quickly, what is the business model around that leaseback? We would actually have to take title to the property temporarily and the client had an option to buy back. And the reason we had to do that is because my client was in a second mortgage position, and it, uh, my, my partner, and it was the only way to protect him. But the client could always either refinance to reown their home or sell the home to capture their equity. So they were highly protected and we required them to always have an attorney to represent them so that we were never accused of taking advantage of somebody that didn't understand real estate. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? It's these new business loans. They're they're very unique. I've helped some clients uh, save, cover payroll within one day so they didn't bounce checks on employees or, or use that capital to help finish a project so they could flip a house. So it's these new business loan products that have me very excited right now. Best ever way you like to give back? Volunteer coaching in youth athletics. My son, who's 15, during the last eight years, I helped coach his football, wrestling, and baseball teams. And to watch young people grow through athletics is a great way for me to give back. Best ever quote? Cash is king. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Trusting 
I did a development deal with my partner in 2007 when we had to re-engineer our business. We got involved in a development deal and we didn't perform proper due diligence on the books. The books were cooked and we lost some money. So intense due diligence on real estate deals or business deals is the key to success. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you, Wayne? My website, which is www.statesideprivatecapital.com. Wayne, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the Best Ever Show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about the evolution of how you've re-engineered your business, both in real estate and then also even prior to that when you created a professional sports league. You are the first person I've ever met who has claimed to say that and you know, learning from that experience too where it's team members and management and due diligence on all aspects of things and learning, you know, kind of the the creative lease back programs that you do or that you were doing with your partner at the time and the different type of financing options that you're working on now, both from small business loans to helping investors get capital for the projects that they're working on. So thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.